Well, welcome to LifePoint today. Thanks for being here. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're here for the first time, we'd love to meet you after the service. Just come down front and introduce yourself. Growing up, I spent a lot of time around my grandparents and my grandmother unintentionally uh, changed my view of God to where it took me several years to kind of work through this because I know that grandma's intention was to keep a young mischievous boy in line, but the way she described God to me made me think of God as this, you know, like fourth grade school teacher. I'm sorry if you're a fourth grade school teacher, but like a school teacher in the sky and not a nice one. Because she would tell me that basically God's giving you grades. You get a bad mark if you do bad. You get a good mark if you do good. And you better have more good than bad. And I can remember thinking, oh my gosh, God's going to give me a bad mark. And I saw him as this, you know, just going bad, good, bad, 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 good. And I was a lot of life just balancing, trying to figure out. And for those of you who've grown up going to church, you may remember in Sunday school, the golden stars. Anybody grow up in church remember that? You get a star if you attend uh, every week. You get a star if you remember your memory verse. And as the weeks go on, you see everybody else's name with all these stars. And there's always one or two people. They have like two. And everybody else has like 50. I can remember Sunday school teachers when I was very young saying things to, to girls like, honey, you shouldn't wear shorts to church. And even at eight years old, I was thinking one day I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to change it. We're going to be able to wear shorts to church. And maybe you didn't grow up in church at all. You still have this performance-based view of the world that says my performance indicates my position. And if you try to live like that, chances are you came here today tired and worn out. Maybe you don't know you live like that and you wonder, why am I so tired all the time? Why do I feel like I'm ready to give up? It could be because you are trying to perform to gain some kind of approval. We're in a series called My Questionable Life. And what we've been talking about is how we can live our lives in such a way that will cause people to ask questions. And then when people ask questions, we can give an answer. And every week we've talked about behavioral things, living in a certain way, doing certain things, whether it's uh, making sure we reach out to people that need our help, whether it's making sure that we're angry about the right things that will change the world, whether or not we're telling our story or talking about our journey of faith, whether or not we're forgiving people. It's all about performance. And we have to be very careful, and the reason we saved the message today for the last one is to make sure that nobody misunderstands and thinks that performance gives you any, any kind of position before God. That's the way the world treats us, and that's probably why many of you feel worn out today. So all of the behavioral things I've been talking about over the last few weeks, if you try to do those things without having the proper perspective that I'm going to share today, it will do nothing but burn you out. So today I'm talking about how do we have questionable behavior in a good way. And again, we're looking at the life of Jesus and, and how he lived in such a way that caused people to ask questions. 
There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep. You can borrow it or you can read along on the screen as I read several sections of Scripture. We're going to be looking at a story in the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament that tells the story of the ministry of Christ, that talks about Jesus' life and how he interacted with people. And a lot of the interaction that Jesus ended up having was with religious people. He dealt with people who were stuck on religion and believed that their performance got them this certain position before God. And so when they saw Jesus teach and he taught about this free life that we can all have, they were confused. They were misunderstood. They, 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 were, they were angry with him. And so they were constantly. And if you read the New Testament, especially the first four books, you read about this group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were this group of religious leaders, teachers of the Old Testament law that not only made, interpreted God's law, made a bunch of laws on top of that, they were also the policemen. They made sure everybody obeyed God's law and the laws they made to interpret God's law. That was their job. And so Jesus comes along speaking freedom and they want to get to know him. In fact, they want to trap him. They want to confront him at every turn. And so we're going to pick up a story where they were doing just that in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, starting at verse 1. It says this, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived in Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Now you might think, what's the big deal about washing your hands? It's a bigger deal than you think, okay? I'm just going to tell you. So they think it's a big deal. It has nothing to do with germs for them. Because you got to understand where they're coming from. So they had God's law, the Ten Commandments. We read about the Ten Commandments, but there are also other commandments. And so what they did, they pulled out of the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They pulled out 613 different commands. And then they divided those commands into do commands and don't commands. I'm starting to see where my grandmother got her material when she was telling me, you know, what God was going to do. And so they have all these do commands. In fact, for or, or don't commands, they have 365. There's 365 things don't do. And they, you know, one for every day of the year, I guess. They just figured, well, if you focus on one every day, maybe you'll, maybe you'll get there. Then they had 248 do commands on the positive. Here are the things you're supposed to do. It was their performance measurement. It was the way they graded to see how people stood before God. And so their approach was, if your behavior is good, if you have more in the good column than the not good column, then congratulations, you are accepted by the creator of the universe. And they would say, we are the people who are going to police all that. And they obeyed to the letter of the law. And they were really proud of it. They did it out in the open so everybody could see, look, we're washing our hands. Check it out. And they washed from like the tip of their finger to their elbow. That was the rule. That was the law. That's what Jesus and his followers were not obeying. And they got upset because they're used to doing everything out in the open. Kind of like, okay, married guys, you know when you do housework, you really want your wife to notice, don't you? Tell the truth, right? Don't you clang the dishes around a little harder on the rare occasion that you do them? 
And when you make the bed, aren't you just waiting? Oh, she's going to notice. She's going to notice. And you don't put the vacuum cleaner back just right so she'll know you had it out. You know, right? Come on, tell the truth. That's what we do. I'm guilty. I do the same thing. And they were, they were like that. They wanted people to notice when they were doing really good things. And so tradition said, you have to wash your hands ceremonially to show that you're clean before you eat. And so they come to Jesus and say, we want to know why your followers don't do that. So Jesus says, well, I got a question for you. Why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commands of God? So he answered their question with a question. Why don't you wash your hands? Why do you put your traditions above the commands of God? And then Jesus goes on to quote from an Old Testament book that they would have known by heart. And he says this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands of God. So what Jesus is saying is it's possible to do all the right things on the outside and still be wrong on the inside. It's possible to look at somebody and think, what a, what a holy person. But inside, they're evil. It's possible to get all the things right on the outside and make everybody think you're okay. But on the inside, be quite the opposite. I can remember early on in ministry, uh, I, I was at a, this one instance, I remember I was around a table with a, a group of leaders and I was in trouble for doing something I wasn't supposed to do, trying to win people to Jesus in a way that was different and, and, and they were upset with me. And I just remember getting frustrated saying, you need to write down the rules. You just need to tell me what your rules are. If you tell me, maybe I'll submit to them, but at least I need to know what they are. Well, they're in the Bible. I don't think they are. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. So that's what is going on with these people and Jesus. They have these rules that say, this is our interpretation, so we're going to make this rule. And Jesus is saying, you can get all those rules right, and on the inside, you're far away from God. Then it says this, Jesus called the crowd to come to hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So now he's got everybody's attention. He's trying to lead them to think about internals versus externals. Because if you live one way over the other, living only externally is going to exhaust you. It's going to wear you out. And he's trying to get them to understand this. And then it says this, his disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Now, it doesn't say what Jesus said, but he probably says, yeah, but I don't care. I mean, when you're a teacher, sometimes you have to offend people because that's the only thing that's going to motivate people to change. So every time one of us stand up here and teach, there's a risk that you will be offended. And if you're a teacher, you have to be okay with that. So one of his followers comes to him, his guy, the guy's name was Peter, and he says, um, I don't get it, Jesus. I'm not understanding what you're saying. You were offensive to them. I don't get what you're trying to communicate. So Jesus really just kind of dumbs it all down and says, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. So Jesus is explaining the digestion process. Maybe he's holding up a piece of bread saying, when you eat this through this end, it's coming out the other. Do you understand that? He's trying to say, you're worried about food and what all food does is goes in and comes out. 
He's painting a, a really gross word picture to try to help them understand. It's like, have you ever taken your dog for a walk and found something, you know what I'm saying? When the dog goes to do its business, you're like, honey, there's that box of crayons that, that we've been missing. So Jesus is trying to explain through a very, through a common understanding of how the human body works, what he's trying to talk about. Here's what he says. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. What Jesus is trying to say, it doesn't start on the outside. You're worrying about being defiled. You're looking at the wrong place. Your focus is in the wrong direction. So it goes back to the original question. Jesus, does it bother you that people don't wash their hands? He's saying, no. You're using that as an external measurement that totally ignores the fact that somebody's heart can be a mess and burdened and rebellious and full of all this junk and they can still just wash their hands and smile and you think, what a holy person. They're obeying all the rules. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate. So here's the bottom line for today. My behavior starts in my heart. Now, behavior matters, but behavior according to Jesus flows out of our hearts. You've probably seen this. I've, I've been in groups with guys that we'll read the Bible together. We'll pray together. We'll share part of life together. And then find out that one, one of the guys just has something really evil going on in his life. He's doing something he shouldn't do. He's got an addiction that he hasn't shared. He's, got, he's betraying his wife. He's betraying his family. Something's going on. But on the outside, you would think, oh, they're in a group. They're studying the Bible. They're praying. But the inside's a mess. So all that stuff on the outside doesn't change you. But I'm going to share with you something that will change you. If you came here today thinking, oh, I just can't go another step, I think what I'm going to share is going to give you some indication as to why. So Jesus says, look, all these things, all these evil thoughts come from the inside. Have you ever seen those surveys that say, what would you do if you knew 100% you wouldn't get caught? When, pe when people are asked that, people answer with murder, theft, affair, cheat. And what Jesus is saying is murder, well, that's an outside action, but it comes from hatred in the heart. Adultery and sexual immorality, it starts with lust. I mean, you don't just find yourself a place and go, oh, you're not my wife. How did that happen? It started in the heart. It started with lust. It started with planning. It started with this discontent with the way things are. And Jesus is trying to say, it starts inside of you. If you're, if you're a thief, it's because you're greedy. If you're a liar and you slander people, it's because you ha it has roots in jealousy. If you find yourself saying, I'm so sorry, I don't know where that came from, Jesus would say, it came out of your heart. I don't know why I said that. Jesus would say, it's because it was on the inside and it came out. Because what's on the inside is eventually going to come out. Now, Jesus wants good external behavior, but he wants it to come from the right place. And the idea that performance indicates my position before God is toxic. It's from Satan. It's evil. 
to think or teach that my performance makes me right before God. And if you've ever tried to live in that system, how enjoyable was your faith? How full was your life? Probably not very full. There's a lot of ways in life that we can modify our behavior. If you have a smartphone, you can get a running app. You can get an app that, that uh, reminds you how many calories you've had. You can even get an app that connects to a special toothbrush and it tells you how good your brushing habits are. So, so it says, oh, you're a failure at it or you're doing a really good job. So there's a lot of ways in life to modify our behavior. But when we talk about behavior as it relates to our faith, we have to be very careful not to think that all the things that we've talked about in this series, that if you somehow do those, then you're going to have this special relationship with God that you couldn't have had otherwise. It's not true. You're going to get worn out if that's all you try to do is perform and please God with your performance. So the question is, Based on what Jesus just said to these religious people, do I want to live an outside-in or an inside-out kind of life? And there's a difference. Because most of us, and I would say many people here today, you're stuck in this cycle that, that we could call the cycle of works. And the cycle of works, it looks like this. And this is how it goes. The cycle of works says... I'm going to start with my performance, with achievement. That's where I'm going to begin. I'm going to do, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to show how good I am at doing things. And maybe you do that at your job. Maybe you have to do that at home. Maybe you're 50 years old and still trying to do it to please a parent. And, and you just think, if I can just achieve, if I can just perform, if I can just do better, then that's going to lead me to a place of strength. And then I'm going to be able to have the strength to help me get through life, to help me work through the tough spots. I'm going to be strong and people are going to really respect me because I'm full of achievement and I'm really strong. Because I'm, I'm strong, I feel like I have this significance. Like life just means something more because I'm strong, because I'm, I, I achieve, and I just feel this significance because of that. And if I could just get to a place where life made sense and I feel significant, then I could get to the place that everybody's looking for, and that is acceptance. And that's what the works cycle looks like. And if you're stuck in this cycle, you're probably pretty tired. You're probably looking to change jobs. You're probably looking to get in or out of a marriage. You're probably looking to do something different with your life because you think, I just can't do it anymore. If you said those words, it's probably because that's how you're living. If I do better and I gain strength and I, and, and I gain significance, then I'll be accepted, whether it's my boss, my spouse, my parents, God, Whatever it is, this cycle of living will wear you out. Unfortunately, we live in a culture that celebrates that. It celebrates the busy schedule so you can just look like everybody else. It celebrates all the deaths, uh, uh, debt so you can live in and drive what everybody else lives in and drives. It celebrates this kind of life and says, let us reward you for that. And so what people do, they end up bringing that into their faith and their relationship with God. And then they end up thinking, well, if I can just perform and do the right things and pastor, give me the list that I can obey, give it to me. 
Well, the only list that I've shared today has got 613. Do you want that? That's a bunch. I don't even know what they all are. There's a bunch of them. So do you just want a list? It won't work. It'll just wear you out. Who's exhausted? You don't have to raise your hand. Who's exhausted? Who's exhausted from living that works kind of life just over and over? Is there a better way to live? There is. It's called The Cycle of Grace. And author Trevor Hudson wrote a book called that. That compares this work cycle in life to this grace cycle. And it's the same words, but they're in a different order. It starts from a different perspective. So just think about that works cycle that's just seeking approval. This is where grace starts. Grace starts with approval, acceptance. This is where it begins. You need to know that you're accepted by God because of who you are. Not because of what you do. The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his name was Paul. Paul tells his story in the book of Acts and in the book, many books after that, how he used to be stuck in this idea that if I perform better, then I'm accepted by God. If I do more things, then God loves me more. But then he met Jesus. And everything changed. He was ready to give up. He was tired. He was living a directionless life. And then he met Jesus. And this is what he found out. And then what he shared with the churches in the first century. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Before we ever did anything good, God said, I love you enough. I will let my son die for you. And Paul knew that. And so that was... That was a prominent part of his writing, to let people know it's not your performance that makes you right before God, it's the fact that Jesus came to earth and you breathe. That's what makes you acceptable to God. He also said in Ephesians chapter two, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. What he's trying to communicate is, you are accepted. If no one else on this earth accepts you, God does. Just because. If you're a parent, you should understand this. Especially if you're a mother. I mean, when the baby is born, what do you do? Oh, you hold it, you, you love it, you squeeze it, and, and it's the most beautiful baby ever born, right? Every one of them. And even though all it's going to do is pee and poop and puke and whine and keep you up at night, and they're all slimy when they're first born, it's a, it's a gross thing to think about. But when they bring that baby and the mother doesn't go, you put me through a lot over the last nine months. And the last amount of labor I was in, my goodness. And, and, they don't, and at that point, you don't know what's coming, you know, when they're toddlers and teenagers and, and all that. It only gets better, right? But even though, even though all of that can be on our minds, we see this beautiful child that has caused pain and caused us to have less money and less sleep and less everything and causes us to do things we never thought we would do, we hold that child and we accept it. 
just because it's there. Now that's how much God accepts you. So why not start, instead of starting at, I'm going to perform and do better, why not start with the cycle of, I'm accepted by God himself. And when you get that, when you understand that, you start to feel significant. You start to feel like, I am worth what Jesus did. I matter to God. If I don't matter to anybody else, I matter to God. Now, this idea is going to motivate somebody tonight in the big game to hold up a verse that the whole world knows better than any other verse. They're going to hold it up, and you may not know what it says, but hey, you know John 3.16 is going to be somewhere in the stadium tonight, and it's going to be up on a sign. And what that, what that verse says is that you are significant. Here are the words. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So me, believing in Jesus is how I access this? Yes. Following Jesus is how I access this acceptance and significance? Yes. And when I understand that acceptance, when I understand the significance, it gives me the strength to sustain. It gives me the strength that I need And these religious people that Jesus was talking to, see, they didn't engage in religious practices and behaviors to experience God's grace. They did it to impress others, to impress themselves, like, hey, look how good we are. And they also did it to impress God. Trying to prove you're spiritual by doing all the right things is exhausting. And if you've ever lived in that system, you could probably do a better job than me today talking about it so then why would we do good things why would we why would we have a bible reading why do you jump on a a bible reading uh, for for the first so many months of the year try to read the bible in a year why do you jump into a small group not to earn anything from god but to learn more about his grace and acceptance and love that gives us strength So when I read my Bible, it's not, oh man, I got to get 613. I'm number four. You know, I got a long way to go. It's not why you do that. You learn and read God's word and, and, and connect with other followers of Christ simply to remind you of the acceptance and the strength and the significance that we can all gain just by that knowledge, just by that acceptance Jesus sustains us by his grace, not by our actions. If it was about actions, we're all in big trouble. Lots of trouble. But that leads us to where the work cycle starts, and that is achievement. This is where good things happen. This is where the poor hear the words of God and find hope. This is where Churches get planted. This is where churches grow. This is where people get invited to church. This is where you read God's word. This is where you apply it to your life and actually do something. Not to gain anything, but because you already have something. As followers of Christ, I believe we're supposed to produce things. I believe we're supposed to make things happen. I believe we're supposed to share God's word and make a difference in the world by doing things, by acting, by working but not in order to gain any acceptance from God, but because he's already accepted us. 
There's a big difference. You want your kids to obey you, right? And you would hope that they're not just doing it because that's my parents and because they said so. Now, there are times you have to lay down that law and pull that card like, well, because I said so. doesn't matter if you want to or not. I'm in charge and I said so. But you want that to transition at some point and they just do because I love my parents and I don't want to do anything to hurt my parents. So it's the same thing with God. All of our achievement is not to gain anything from him. It's because we're already accepted. Religion then and religion now has this nasty habit of reducing following Christ as simply behavioral modification. That all of a sudden you don't do some things. Well, I don't, I, 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 I'm not promiscuous. I'm not, I, I, I'm faithful to my family. I don't get drunk. I don't get addicted. I, I read my Bible. I go to church. I sing. I do small groups and I help little old ladies across the street. You know that a lot of people will tell you that's what it's all about. So how would that work for you? I mean, that's what religion does. It just reduces it to that. And Jesus said, no, I want to transform your life with the knowledge that you're accepted and you have my grace no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you are, no matter how messed up you are. Which one of these two do you want to live in? Which one? It's our choice. You can choose today, whether it's in your work life, your home life, or in your church life, in your relationship with God. Which one of those? Do you want to start with saying, I, I want to achieve, I want to please everybody? Because if I can please everybody, that's going to make me strong and I'm going to feel significance and then I'll be accepted by my boss, by my wife, by my parents, by my dad, by God. You want to live that kind of life? Or do you want to live the kind of life that finds confidence in and this new way of thinking in that I'm accepted, I'm loved. I'm forgiven, and I don't have to prove that to anybody. My significance and my strength, they're going to come from the fact that God himself accepts me because of Jesus. That's where it comes from. So we have a choice. Which one of those do you want to live? One will wear you out. One will lead you to the life that Jesus promised us. This is important because we live in a culture that celebrates the work cycle, that rewards for the work cycle. That's why maybe you're so stressed out at work is because all I'm doing is try to please somebody. Well, maybe it's either time to find another job or it's time to realize, well, I can't please him. I'm just going to do my best and that's it. Because no matter what anybody thinks, God accepts me. We're fighting that every day to look like everybody else and be like everybody else and be stressed out like everybody else. But this better way of, of living in God's grace will transform your life. Not only transform your life, it will cause your behavior not to be something that just happens on the outside. It will start to come from the inside. Now, the result might be the same. There are people stuck in the work cycle that do really good stuff, but they don't find the fulfillment and the satisfaction that the people who are stuck in the grace cycle have when they do really good stuff. Which side of that do you think has, does the most good stuff in the world? I'll pick the grace cycle 100% of the time. 
I'll pick somebody who's working out of gratitude and thankfulness over somebody just working because they're good at it and because they can perform. So when you live this questionable life, don't get stuck in the cycle of just doing it all on the outside. Be transformed on the inside because you're accepted. When you live a life like that, people are going to ask questions. Why aren't you ever stressed out? Well, because I'm already, I'm accepted. You know, why don't you get angry? Well, at, at silly little things. Well, because I'm accepted. How does your marriage like seem to work through tough spots and just keep going? It's because I know I'm accepted. How were you able to work through that tragedy in life? It's because I already know I am accepted. Because God accepted me. When you live the questionable life that God has for you, you will find freedom that you never thought possible. I invite you to do that. If you don't know how to access that, if you think, I want on the grace cycle, where's the grace train? I'll take it. I'd love to have that today. Two or three of us will be down front. Come down and talk to us pastors, and we would guide you through that decision and tell you, how do I, how do I accept that? How do I get in on it? We'll guide you through that decision, and you can be living from the inside out. That's what questionable living is all about. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenge from Jesus to not just think about the outside, but to start on the inside. And God, for people today who are stuck in that cycle of performance, 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 whether it's at home, at work, or even at church, I pray that you would help them change their motives and help them reverse that and see that no matter what they do, because of Jesus, they're still accepted by you. And I pray this in his name. Amen.